0: Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love, and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington, and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website, c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. So good, so good. Hey, we've been in the Psalms for the last several weeks, and I believe this is like the seventh message. I've lost count, I'm guessing now. In uh, the Psalms, and so, I mean, there's a hundred and some, I don't know, how many is it? 160, 140, 100 and something, 100 and a lot of Psalms, and so we could probably camp out here for the next 10 years, but anyway, I'm loving the Psalms, I'm loving doing this deep dive into the Psalms, uh, as I've said before in previous weeks, uh, as a sort of a general go-to for me, With like a daily devotion, if I'm gonna just do something, you know, uh, as a go-to, a fallback, I will do the Psalm of the day and the Proverb of the day. Anyone do Psalm of the day, Proverb of the day? I know the Proverb of the day is a classic because it's 31 Proverbs, so you can, you know, see, you know, you can do that. But I often do the Psalm as well, and uh, and I just used to, I just love that, you know, I love the. But I never really did these deep dives into the Psalms like we have been, and I've just been finding. Uh, the, the, the depth as you go a bit deeper, just to be so awesome, so encouraging, so enriching. And uh, so this morning we're in Psalm 103. We've jumped uh, a lot of Psalms, but we ju- we're going to jump around, you know. We're going to jump around, and uh, that's right. i are going to jump up, get up and get down, jump. Uh, this is the message is entitled, uh, the bless, bless the Lord. Excuse me, Bless the Lord. And uh, I've been around uh, this, this Christian faith a wee while now, and there are certain phrases that we say in in Christendom, church, church language, uh, Christianese, they might say that we, we say these things, but I often, when I step back and think, do I actually know what I mean when it says something like, bless the Lord, O my soul? Do I really know deeply what I'm saying or what, what, what what that means for me, and so that's where this psalm is, that psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So we're going to take a deep dive into that. Before we get started, I want to pray, and then we'll read the first five verses and pull it apart together. Father God, I thank you for our time we have left this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that we're set up. We've set up our worship this morning through song, and I thank you that we're going to continue our worship and receiving your word. Father, I thank you that you want to speak to us. You want to transform us from the inside out. You want to revolutionize our world and overflow that into the world of others. Father, I pray this morning, as we continue looking at what it means to praise you, that, God, you reveal your truth to our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. 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 Gave it a hundy in those songs, eh? Awesome bro? Right? you got to give it a hundy, right? God's worthy of a hundy, isn't he? Yeah. So worthy. All right, let's pick it up in verse 1. Psalm 103, we're going to do the first five verses. <clears throat> it says this. It's a, a psalm of David. Well, that's handy. Straight away we know who wrote the thing. It's quite, quite helpful. Oh, of David, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies You with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who wants some renewing of their youth this morning? I'm 45 years old, and uh, I I I, feel—I tell you what—a great day for me is just my feet up in a recliner. I'm getting old, man. Like uh, last Saturday, we—who remembers the weather last Saturday? All right, so uh, I don't know who convinced who, but I'm going to blame Michael Geddes, this guy at the front. I decided to run an ultra marathon relay with this guy, who's like sixty kilos sopping wet, and I am a ton. If not, I'm a Clydesdale, he's a stallion. And uh, anyway, not run with him, thankfully, uh, but run this thing. And so it was, the, and we had the weather bomb, and uh, and and then on top of that, we you know finished the race running through you know waist high string crossings that are tumultuous and all over the place, and I was felt super unfit, but made it to the. The end, and then we got caught in that traffic, that holed up at uh, Lower Hut for six hours, sat in the car. Oh my gosh, God, would you renew my strength like a youth and so I can soar like an eagle in Jesus' name? <laughs> Soaring like an eagle would have been a lot easier than what we did. I wish we had weather like today, but sometimes, you know, hard times are memorable. Hey, it was an adventure, that's for sure. But uh, who wants some of that uh, renewing this morning? I certainly know that would be great. Uh, it says that it's a psalm, it's simply titled a Psalm of David, so... Uh, we don't know the circumstances around when this psalm is written. It doesn't allude to it. Theologians, there is no real point of when he wrote this and why he wrote it, except to say that people think that he wrote it in the, uh, at the end of his days, later on in his life, because of just the humility he has around forgiveness. And just like, if you look at the breadth of his life, it would make sense that this song would be written later in his, in his life. Uh, Spurgeon uh, says this, we should attribute it to his later years when he had a higher sense of the preciousness of pardon. Don't you love the way that they wrote or spoke, you know, back then? Because of a keener sense of sin than in his younger days. His clear sense of the frailty of life indicates his weaker years, as also does the very fullness of his praised, full gratitude. Ah, so true. Uh, Morgan, another commentator, said this, It is perhaps the most perfect song of pure praise to be found in the Bible. Through centuries, it has been sung by glad hearts. And today, it is as fresh, as full of beauty as ever. What a great psalm. And I mean, we're only in the top five verses of a, of a beautiful psalm. And again, like last Sunday, I felt if we tried to pull everything apart. If we try to do the whole thing, we're going to miss the beauty of, of going a bit deeper. So we're camping out at the top here, and I think there's enough for us to chew on. But what a beautiful song. Last, uh, t- two Sundays ago, when we did our last psalm, and we were in Psalm 34, we talked about, uh, we talked about praise. Who remembers that message, the power and purpose of praise? What a, what a great time we had there, and um, great reports coming back from our crews as you deep-dived into that. But come on, that praise is such an important weapon, such an important uh, heart position of the Christian. And it's so war-against, isn't it? Your praise, your gratitude, your thankfulness, your ability to see God and, and proclaim his goodness, his character, and declare it as, as as efficient for your life, and declare it from a position of absolute yes, it's hard, isn't it? It's so difficult. And so and so again, this is it's so important that we understand the power and the effectiveness of praise. And this one here is talking about the blessing and how we uh, bless God, and and how as we bless God, there are benefits for us in that. So let's dig into it, Let's, let's, let's go. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. David did not mean this in the sense that a greater person bestows the blessing on a lesser person. So we're not saying bless the Lord like we're the ones that give out the blessing. You know, in the Old Testament, the father would give the blessing or the birthright to the oldest son. He would bestow the blessing. And so when we're blessing the Lord, it's not like, hey, God, we're, you know, we're blessing you. Oh, you know, here's a pat on the back, God. It's not that kind of blessing, all right? It's not that at all. God is infinitely greater than man. Amen? Yeah. And, and man could never give a blessing to God. We couldn't, we couldn't do that. But what David meant there is the sense that it blesses and honors God when his creatures praise him and thank him appropriately. It blesses and honors God when you do what you ought to do by seeing the very nature of God and bestowing. Bless his name. His name is worthy of blessing. Bless the Lord. There's something in that when his creatures, when his creation, see him and praise him according to his great character, Bless the Lord, O my soul, David said. David called upon his soul to bless the Lord. It was as David was looking at his soul and understood that it was not praising God enough. He's like, come on soul, we need to do more. There's this, like, there's this like, come on, I bless the Lord with all my soul. There's this like, I need more in here. Not just a superficial surface praise, but I need to bless from the depths of who I am. And a few messages ago, we preached about life. And, uh, and we, uh, we, uh, we dug into this word life. And, and, uh, and this morning, and one of the words of life is connected to this word soul. But this is from the Hebrew word nefresh. Nefresh, this word soul. That which breathes. The breathing substance of being, the inner being of a man, a woman, and then here's some hot key points of what this word means. Living being, the person or individual, their self, the seat of your appetites, the seat of emotions and passions, the activity of your mind, the activity of your will, the activity of your character. This is what David is saying. I will bless the Lord with all of my mind, all of my will, all of my character, my emotions and my passions and my appetites will bless the Lord. That's some praise right there. That's some praise right there. We need to be soul Praises of God from all, all of our alignment of our life to be, to be poured out, to be focused in on and praising God. He understood, come on, David understood that true worship was something deeply inward of the soul. It's not just about outward forms of expressions. Passion and emotion can be at a surface level. But is it a reflection of the soul? Is it a reflection of the inward state of our heart? There is times when when, when the, 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 the people, people of God would do what they ought to do. They would follow the rules and the, the, the law of God. But God would say, look, uh, your religious acts don't please me because your heart is far from me. So there can be an emotional outpouring without it being connected deeply to our True depth of self, right? And so, so there needs to be a connection of these things. It's not just about emotion, but it is emotion. It's not just about passion on the surface, but it is passionate. It is passionate. He understood these things. Soul music is the very soul of music, Spurgeon said. Soul music is the very soul of music. And isn't this interesting? And there's a reason why we do the way we do church, you know. It's not just because someone said, oh, that's the way you should do it. You should do four songs, you know, have a break, have a message, you know, take up an offering. <laughs> oh, so, no, we should do it that way. But there's a reason why we sing. There's a reason why we go to a place of singing because singing transports us to a place where words fail. Singing has an emotional connection. That's why the angels are surrounding heaven Singing. Holy, holy holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, is to come. This is what they, this is what's going on in heaven. They're singing around the throne room of heaven because it's like where do we take our emotion and our passion and where do we overflow from our soul yet but to sing? And so that's why we do this, you know, it's not just for a religious act, it's to connect something, it's to do something, there's a a vehicle to get us to a destination, the the music, the singing is the vehicle, the destination is a connection, a worship, a praising, and a depth of relationship with our God in heaven, amen? Amen. Awesome, awesome. All that is within me, bless his holy name. (laughs) Come on, David also understood that worship had to be more than superficial, we just talked about this, but he had to be offered as completely as possible. He wanted everything within him to praise God. He set his heart in tune as well as setting his instruments. Like, it's like tuning your guitars, like tuning your life. You know, like uh, before we start, I'm just, well, I tune my guitars, we practice, and before we start again, I tune it again because you don't want it to be out of tune because it, just, it doesn't sound great when one string's like a little bit flat. And so you're tuning, like there's a tuning of your life that, that, that needs to happen as we, as, we, as we look to be people that would bless God and praise Him. There's a tuning that needs to take place uh, where we, we often praise and thank God half-heartedly or less. You know, half-heartedly or less. David called for everything within him, all that is within me, to give honor and praise to God. Uh, and this is what Boyce, uh, another commentator, said, What a rebuke to much of what passes for praise in our assemblies. We come to church, but we leave our minds at home. We hear of God's grace, but our hearts have been hardened by critical and carping spirit, he says. That's a harsh, that's a harsh line, but look how there's some truth in that. Like We can come into a place like this and, and, and be completely unmoved, completely de- de- detached from the moment of declaration and praise. As we talked about in, in praise messages, there's a, there's a there's a connection of thankfulness and gratitude to praise. We give thanks, and thankfulness overwhelms into praise, and it's a declaration of the character and nature of God. And as we give thanks about the character and nature of God, something transacts in our hearts. So it's very hard to be thankful and critical. It's very hard to be in that position of thankfulness and gratitude whilst being self-centered or self-focused. Or, you know, anxiety and thankfulness can't go hand in hand. One's got to give way to the other. And so as we become like David, those people that will bless the Lord with all our souls... We need to understand that thankfulness needs to be the starting point of our worship, of our praise. And uh, uh, the singer addresses himself. He, he realizes that his power over himself, that he is able to give or withhold that which is due God. He says, all that is within me. So he says, what he's saying is that you have the ability. You have the, uh, you're not held back. God gives us, it says in his word, dominion. He bestows upon us the ability, and that's why it says, let your, do the, there's a, a, you're in charge, you're in control. Sometimes we let our circumstances and our feelings drive the choice train of our lives. You're in control of your worship. You're in control of your blessing. He says that he understands that the power is in himself to make the shift, to make the shift. The power over himself that is he is able to give or withhold that which is due to God. You have the power. The one value of these opening words is that they show us that worship is not involuntary. It's not automatic. It calls for the coordination of all our powers. The sanctuary is not a lounge, a place of relaxation, talking about the church. We should enter it with all the powers of personality, arrested, arranged, dedicated, that we may render a service of praise that is worthy and acceptable, Morgan says. This guy doesn't hold back, does he? I'm glad it's Morgan. I'm just reading Morgan's words, guys. Don't, you know, this guy Morgan, you know, he's cracking, eh? He's, he's, he's like so passionate, but sometimes we need to be shaken, you know, out of apathetic states, that we might be those there because it matters. You know, if I could step away from teaching and notes, it matters. Your praise matters. What you bring into the house of God matters. It shifts. It overflows from you onto other people. It absolutely matters. You have become a permission giver for the next person, you know, you, 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 you can heat the room or cool the room. It says that, and someone did a study on tipping points of culture. This is really interesting. Tipping points of culture. How many people in a group would it take to tip the culture of that group, was the study. And it was found that 15%, 15 people in 100, or oh, I don't know the maths and less than that, that was easy maths, but 15% of people can tip the room, maybe in a room this size, it only takes three or four people to tip the culture of the room. So what I'm trying to say is if you bring your praise, if you bring all that is within you, what can it do to the rest of the people in this room to bring them into that place, to warm them up? It's like kindling on a the fire. There might be a wet log, but we've got some damp wood. We're, you know, we've got a fireplace, it's our only heating in the house, and, and uh we're a bit slack and disorganized, and so we had to buy wood on the on the fly, not you know, not like get it that you know, who's the good person, that, the boy scout or the girl scout that scrolls it away like a year later and it's all dry and perfect and ready to go. Not us. Uh, we're like we're out of wood. We better get some. And so we got some damp wood, and like you got to cut that kindling really small. We're actually using fire starters. This is embarrassing. It's embarrassing to admit it. It's embarrassing to admit it. It's a blight on my manlyhood. I have to give back my Boy Scout badge. But we're using. <laughs> We're using fire starters to start the fire, not just kindling and paper because our wood's a little bit damp. But you know something, once it gets going, once a fire gets going, even damp wood can't stand the fire. Even damp wood can't withstand the fire. People can come in here saturated from life situations, you know, and that's all, all of us at one point or another, right? Yep. On one given Sunday, any given Sunday, that could be you. And the praise of your praise could lift someone out of that place, could overflow onto them. It absolutely matters. Absolutely matters. Man, I feel like I, I hope I'm not trying to sound like I'm scolding scolding you. I'm, I want to pull you to the power and effectiveness of praising and what it means to be a people that praise God. And uh, you thought we were done two Sundays ago. I'm not done with this topic. I'm not done with it. All that is within me, everything will bless his holy name. Spurgeon writes, I'm loving I can just hide behind these commentators, this is so good. Spurgeon says, only a holy person can delight in holy things. Holiness is the terror of an unholy person. They love sin and count it liberty, but holiness is them to slavery. If we are saints, we shall bless God for his holiness, Spurgeon says. So righteous de- delight, the righteous delight in righteousness in righteousness, it means to be in right standing with God. There's a delight when you understand that you're forgiven in God; that you didn't earn your righteousness. You're not righteous by your acts. You're not righteous by, you know, your anything that you do. But you're righteous because of the blood of Jesus shed for you and what is efficient for your life. Jesus Christ makes you righteous. But in right standing with God and forgiven, we delight in the holiness of God. We delight to see God being lifted up and holy. As opposed to uh, when we count ourselves in a place of unforgiveness and unrepentant sin, then our praise drifts away, doesn't it not? Doesn't it not? Isn't it hard to come to a place to worship a holy God with unrepentant situations? So that's why I'm so hot on it. Like, uh, repentance, like we talked about, is such a blessing. It's God's gift to us that we can, we can remove the barrier Remove the, the, the things that wrap us around, uh, go hunting, and there's this uh, lovely thing called supplejack. It's got such a lovely name, but it's not great. And it entangles you and traps you, slows your progress. Come on, forgiveness just chops those vines away so that we can move forward. It's such a beautiful thing. Repentance needs to be talked about more, celebrated more. It's such a gift from God that we can repent in humility and, 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 and come back to God and be connected back and restored. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. So David adds an important idea here, that this praise and honor to God should be given unto him for rational reasons. It just makes sense. American Express membership has its benefits. It just makes sense. There's rational, come on, my fellow believer, there's rational reasons why you ought to bless the Lord with all your soul. Not on the basis of mere emotion or excitement. True benefits are given by God and to his people, and we must not forget them. How easy it is. I I, I can't remember the the study, but again, it was another study around negativity and negative situations and how much of our life and how much of our day is negative versus positive in comparison to how much of our thoughts are negative and positive. And so we can have, uh, say, 10% of our day have negative, negative situations versus 90, but our thoughts can be 70% negative. Isn't it crazy how we can just have a fixation and a focus on those things that are negative? And if you don't believe me, why are you being so negative? I mean. But, you know, it's like you can have a, you can have a fixation on it, right? Uh, and so it's easy to forget the benefits of God. And the very thing that will actually be beneficial to you, i.e., coming into a place of praising, grateful, and thankfulness to God, can be held back from you by the you know, it can be, you can be robbed from that. So praise is the responsive of awe of God, which while reflecting on what the Lord has done for the people of God, I love this, this is a, another guy I've never heard of, but he says this, praise is the responsive awe for God, while reflecting on what the Lord has done, listen to the, what he says here, for the people of God throughout the history of redemption, so the historical, like God's redeeming, Plan over over history, so he's not. So it's, that's we say. That's the first place you can be. You can praise God for just seeing what He's doing from the beginning to now, right? Having a macro view of this thing. And then He says for creation at large, so all of God's creation that He breathed out the stars, and that we've got sunshine today, and uh, yeah, the rain and the wind last Saturday too. Well, praise You, Lord. You know that I had to run, it. but you know that we can praise God for His creation, for the community that you surround yourself. Thank You, Lord, for the community. That I find myself in the end for oneself. The things that God's done in your world. Isn't this interesting that he goes from macro to micro? Sometimes we can only focus on micro. If it's not going well in my life, then I can't, there's nothing really I can find to praise God, right? Because right now the situation's, you know, taking my, my joy, stealing my thunder. But this guy's like, no, no. God's working through history. Praise him. Look at creation. Praise him. Look at the community around you. Praise him. Oh yeah! And look what he's done in your life, and we'll continue to praise him. I love this macro and a micro situation. Maybe we need to remember that, you know, as we uh, as we try to find a basis and anchor for our praise. All right, let's move on to the three verses, three to five. It says this: "Blessed." This is the the benefits that we should not forget. Amen. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? You can come, Troy, if you want. Now that'd be awesome, man. There he is, I was like looking around, where is he? Who who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. That sounds like a really good list of benefits, doesn't it? Sounds like a very, very good list of benefits. I wonder why praise is so warred against. You know, I wonder why, because it is. You know, sometimes we might put it down to like it's New Zealand culture, like we're a little bit more stiff upper lip, a little bit more reserved by nature, you know. We see those Americans and their loud ways and we're not like that, you know. <laughs> Maybe some of us are more like that, but, you know what I mean, like. But then the irony is that you see grown men painting their face black, going to those football games and going bananas for 20 year old boys running around passing the ball, so, you know. The Olympics are on right now, and you know we're cheering on now the sporting feats of our nation, and we're quick to praise those medal winners. And but isn't praise? It's just warred against, isn't it? I, I what I what I don't want you to hear is that praise is simply just that emotional, passionate response. Like the one that's the most passionate is the real true praiser. But I am wanting to incite our self-reflection that we might go and look at ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us am I a praiser? Am I thankful? Am I grateful? And David gives us some anchor points right now. Let's have a pull apart. He says, who forgives all of your iniquities. Before we read about righteous people loving righteousness One of the great benefits mentioned is the forgiveness of all of our sins. And it says that when the magnitude of our sin and and the righteousness of God are understood, the forgiveness is a staggering reason for praising and honoring God. It's a staggering reason. Friends, let's not forget the necessity of the cross. That brutal death was necessary for your forgiveness and mine. It's a sobering thought. Jesus says, For the joy set before Him He endured, despise or shame and endured the cross. The joy was you. The joy was me. The joy was knowing that through His blood and the sacrifice, He might make a way for you and I to come back into relationship through forgiveness of sins through his blood, right? But let's not forget that he forgives all our iniquities, that we could not find a way out of that mire, that we could not make a way for ourselves, but through Jesus. I like that this is significantly the very first benefit listed. In David's mind, one would suppose this being the most important thing to have sins forgiven. Even more important than he would say for physical healing, which he lists next. But sins being forgiven is the greatest blessing we could ever ask for. The outcome of sin is death. The weight of sin is heavy. Oh, praise him i praise Him that we don't carry that weight and that life is ours, amen. Who heals all your diseases. Come on, another great benefit of God is that He cares for our bodies. He absolutely does. He brings healing to us in life through both natural and miraculous ways and we believe in the miraculous power and healing power of God, amen. He promises ultimate healing for all of His people in the age to come, but we believe in the healing, miraculous power of our God. And come on, all healing should bring glory to God. Who redeems your life from destruction, rescued from that wide road, it says in Matthew. A changed trajectory. He redeems, and this is interesting, this word redeems here, is Hagoel. Hegoel. Preservation from destruction. Properly, this is the definition of this Hebrew word redemption of life by a kinsman. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That David wrote this word that meant redemption of life by a kinsman. Uh, that was the way it was when uh, there was a redeemer, uh, historically, in, in, in the Hebrew way, that if, uh, if someone was either bought out or into slavery, or, or had to, you know, they got this, there was a, a redeemer in the family who would come and redeem them your kinsmen responsibility was to redeem them. Oh, how our lives have got independent of our, one another and family nowadays in the Western world, eh? How we've, 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 we've so lost the sense of whanau, you know. But there was this redemption responsibility in family. Yet, we know this is prophetic. We know that David, in writing this, he might have meant something, but he's prophesying right now He's prophesying that he thanks for God, thanks be to God, the one who redeems redeems me, like like buys me buys me back like a kinsman would buy back his family member and, and redeem them, but like Jesus has bought me back. Jesus has paid the price for me. Jesus has redeemed me. My kinsman, my Lord and Saviour has redeemed me. The, The second Adam has come and has lived a perfect life and died the death for my stead that I might be redeemed, that I might be redeemed. There's a prophetic messianic moment here that I never want to miss. Say, come on, prophetically looking forward to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the redemption of life by your kinsman. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Come on, God's greatness extends beyond sparing us from sin, from disease or trouble. Through God's blessing we are crowned with His great love and mercy. Thank you, Lord, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Come on, the result of God's work, both in what He saves us from and what He saves us unto, is bringing true satisfaction to our lives. This is different from mere pleasure or entertainment. God wants to bring true satisfaction to our lives from the good things. God is not uh, an, ad, an, an enemy or an adversary to good things. <laughs> there is such the lie that if you come to Christ, you give up on all of pleasure, on all of life, and, and you've just got to like <laughs> make it through this stink life. <laughs> yeah. And it's quite the opposite. The truth of this matter is Jesus said, I came to give life, yeah. abundant life. He ain't a liar. His word is true. He is truth. He came to give life. He came to give life. Come on, life is found on the other side of your praise. True life is found on the other side of your As you focus in on God and the benefits of God and all that He's bought for you and done for you, True life is found on the other side of praise. Come on, there are benefits here, family. (laughs) Who satisfies your mouth? I love that God's not just into religious services and orders and following through these things and you know and, and and sort of just like spiritual disciplines, but that God is invested into good things that are enjoyable. He put taste buds in your mouth. God's all about it. He created certain things. good things. <laughs> he created everything that you enjoy. He says that every good thing comes down from the Father of lights. Every good gift is from above. There's nothing that you don't enjoy. Well, maybe that's not true. Come on, God is a, is a good God. He creates good things for us to enjoy. He's about satisfying your mouth, satisfying the desires of your heart. God is not about just whitewashing your desires away. Like, you're not, you're not having those, Not you know. He's about fulfilling them. He put them there. He put them there. Mm. Thank you, Lord. He satisfies. He's a satisfier. Come on, he wants to bring that true satisfaction. Spurgeon says, No man is ever filled to satisfaction but a believer. And only God Himself can satisfy. Even Him, many a person is satiated or filled temporarily, but no one is satisfied apart from God. There is no satisfaction. Solomon wrote; David's son wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which basically saying that there's nothing under the sun that will satisfy. It's almost like he did the ultimate test. He had—he was the richest man to ever live. He was not handsome, knowledgeable, he had something like 900 wives or, like he just, the guy partied when he threw a party, like he partied I mean the guy, like let's just get 900 cattle let's, you know, get those cooking on the on the Weber, you know the guy was, just, and he tried, he tried it all he was the one human being that lived that could really push the bounds of hedonism, could really push the boundaries of what the earth or what the world has that can satisfy if, if he's done the test He's the one that we should ought to listen to. And he said, there's nothing under the sun that will satisfy me. I've got a God-shaped hole, and only God can fill it. He says that your youth is renewed like the eagles, only that God renews us to the very picture, buoyant and tireless and strength, the eagle. And I just think, because I love the scripture in Isaiah, and I know that everyone wants to go straight to 31. But the problem I've got with Isaiah 40, 31 is it starts with but. Which means it's a continuation of something that the great prophet was saying. So I feel like we've got to kick back to verse 29. He says, He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. So everyone is susceptible of being worn out and tired. Maybe you come into a Sunday service like this feeling worn out and tired, and maybe it's not a conducive place for praise to well up from within you. <laughs> maybe you can relate. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. It's the promise. Of Scripture for those that come into the presence of God, this word "way" means to entangle your life like two vines twisting together. It's, it's an active. There's something that you're doing there by by allowing the words of God, the, the 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 focus on God, to twist into your life and to allow that to start to take over. To take to take the situations and the circumstances is a activity that's happening, which is taking a refocusing us, re reordering our mind and our th- and our thinking in that moment. Come on, praise happens in this place and I'm saying God is saying he will renew you praise is a a, a launch pad to a place of energy and a place of refocus and a place of lightness and a place of of strength and this is why it's so war against come on church let's stand in this place